0: How many excited about the Word of the Lord this morning? Anybody believe God's got a word from heaven for you today? Well I'm excited. Today we're going to wrap up our series uh, entitled Financial Freedom. And uh, we've been talking about the last few weeks uh, why in the world we're even doing a series on finances. Why are we spending three weeks talking about finances in church? And the reason is really simple. We've recognized that hands down the greatest form of bondage in your life is spiritual bondage. Sin separates you from an intimate relationship with God and keeps you from knowing Him. we really believe that right under that is financial bondage. And the reason I believe financial bondage is one of the greatest forms of bondage is because financial bondage keeps us from the purpose of God. And we recognize it doesn't keep us from the purpose of God because we don't have money to do what God's calling us to do, but it keeps us from the purpose of God because when you consistently, continually live in a place of financial lack, you are constantly distracted. Right When you're worried about paying the bills and feeding the kids and keeping the lights turned on one more week, your mind, your energy, and your attention is constantly distracted by your financial need. And if you're constantly distracted by financial need, then you're never going to be able to purposely give yourself to the plan that God has for your life. Because I understand this about the purpose of God. The purpose of God requires some clarity. The purpose of God requires you to give some thought, some attention, and some energy to the thing that God's calling you to do. And if you're constantly distracted by your financial lack, then you're not going to be able to give yourself to the purpose that God has for you. So this series is all about how do we find freedom so we can fulfill purpose? How do we find financial freedom so we can fulfill the purpose that God has for For our lives. So I gave you a definition. We said, What does it mean to be financially free? And we said, It means that we're able to live and we're able to give, right? We're able to live, take care of our family, and give because God wants you to have more than enough. How many of y'all believe that today? God wants you to have not just enough, God wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to live and give without the anxiety that comes from financial lack. So we said the first step to financial freedom, if you look at your, uh, on the screen, is simply this. We have to believe that God wants us to be blessed, right? We have to believe that God wants us to be blessed and financially free. Step one is faith. I've got to believe. I've got to believe that God wants me blessed, and I've got to believe that God wants me financially free. Step two we talked about last Sunday, and we said the second step to financial freedom is that we have to understand money. And we recognized last Sunday that we don't need more money. We just need more people that understand how to use money because money is a tool and a tool in the hand of a good man does good things, and a tool in the hand of the wrong man will destroy everything. Amen? And so we begin to recognize that money is not good or evil. Money is a tool that can do good or evil based on the heart or the hand of the person that it's in. And so we recognize that what we need to do is we need to understand how do we use money. And our closing thought last week was simply this. We said our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. And that is so significant that you and I understand that. Our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. We cannot serve God in money. And if our hearts are not right toward money, then we'll be mastered by money and enslaved by debt or enslaved by increase. Either you'll live in a place where you have unmanageable debt and you'll be enslaved by debt, or you'll live in a place where you're constantly pursuing more, pursuing more, pursuing more, pursuing more, to the point that you actually can't even enjoy What you have. And so that's what happens when we're mastered by money. Now look at two scriptures, Matthew 6, 24 and 21. Jesus is speaking. And he says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's look at our next point where we're going to hang out today. The third step to financial freedom is that we have to work God's system. Because God loves us, how many know God loves us? Anybody know that today? If you don't know that, I hope you know that before you leave here today. Because God loves us, He has established a system of financial freedom that works for everyone who works it. Right. The third key is we've got to work God's system. God has established a system of financial freedom that works for everybody who works it. One of my greatest leadership quotes or thoughts is simply this. The great leaders take the cookies off the top shelf and put them on the bottom shelf so everybody can eat them. And I want to tell you something. God has created a financial system of financial freedom that everybody on the planet can operate in. And everyone who works it, it will work if you'll work God's system. And it doesn't matter where you're at right now. You can be on the top of your game, or you can be at the bottom of your game. You can be financially lower than you've ever been, or you can be financially better off than you've ever been. And here's the good news. If you'll work God's system, God's system will work for you. Amen? If you'll work God's system, God's system will work for you. So let's talk about God's financial system this morning. Look at this next point. So God's system for financial freedom begins with honoring and worshiping God as your provider. It begins with honoring and worshiping God as your provider. Let me give you some good news today. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that it's in God that we move and breathe and have our being. That everything that we have comes from God. God is your provider. God is your source. Your job is not your source. Your, job, your money is not your source. God is your source. Money is a resource. Your job is a resource. People are resources, but God is the source. He is your provider. And if we would think about it for a minute, we all know this is true, because if you're here today and you've ever been broke, busted, and disgusted, don't raise your hands because we might all be embarrassed by how bad we've all had it, right? But here's the route. If you've ever been broke, busted, and disgusted, and you've been at the bottom of the barrel where you didn't have any money, think about it. Have you ever been there where you didn't have money to buy groceries, you didn't have money to pay the bills, you didn't have money to keep the lights on? Isn't it amazing that when you didn't have money, God still provided You didn't have money to pay the electric bill, and somehow somebody paid it for you. You didn't have money to buy groceries, and somehow you came home, and there was a sack of groceries sitting on the front steps of your house. You didn't have money to put gas in the car, and somehow you got to work anyway, and that thing drove on empty for three days. All of us in this room have testimonies like that. We've all been in places where we didn't have money, but God still provided. The fact that you're still kicking and screaming today is evidence that when you didn't have money, you still had provision. Why? Because money is not your source, God is. He is your provider. And so, God's system of financial freedom begins with us understanding and acknowledging, honoring, and worshiping God as our provider. Proverbs 3 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase, honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase. And then look at verse ten, because verse ten tells us the fruit of operating in God's financial system. If you'll honor God with your possessions, and you'll honor God with the first fruits of all your increase, then the Bible says, "Look at verse ten. Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine." So here's the promise of working God's financial system: your your barns will be filled; you'll have enough. God will meet your needs and then he says and your vats will overflow so here's the promise God says I'll give you everything that you need and then I'll give you more than you need how many know God's the God of more than enough God is the God of overflow God doesn't want to just meet your needs God wants to give you more than you need so you can be a blessing to other people come on somebody And so the result of working God's financial system is we come to a place where we are filled, we have everything that we need, and now we have overflow above and beyond what we need so we can be a blessing to other people. So let's talk about how we honor God as our provider. Look at that next point on your outline. The tithe is how we honor God as our provider. The tithe is how we honor God as our provider. Tithing is not giving. It is returning to God what belongs to Him. And the tithe is proof that we love God more than money. So let me do a little teaching here. So the tithe, the word tithe literally means 10%. That's why we say tithing is giving 10%. The word tithe literally means a tenth. And so tithing is how we honor God. How do I honor and acknowledge that God is my provider? How do I worship him as my provider? Well, how do I do that is through the tithe. But what you need to understand about the tithe, tithing is not giving. Look what Leviticus 27 verse 30 says. It says, all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. The tithe is holy to the Lord. So so let's back up for just a second. A while ago we said that everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything that you have belongs to God. Go ahead and grab hold of that for a second. Everything that you have, your car, your house, your savings, your check, account, your video games guys, all you young people in here, all you older guys that are addicted to video games, all that stuff, it belongs to God. It all belongs to God. But the tithe, the first 10% of your increase is holy. The word holy means set apart to God. So God has sanctified and set apart everything that He's given you. God says the first 10% is holy, it belongs to me. So I want you to see that tithing is not giving. And the reason that is important is we're going to talk about giving in just a minute because the New Testament is full of amazing promises about what God will do when you give. But every time the New Testament talks about giving or the Old Testament talks about giving, it is not talking about tithing. Because tithing is not giving, tithing is returning to God what belongs to Him. Let's just imagine before church, we came in and Daryl came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Keith, here's $100, would you mind holding my $100 for me? And I stuck it in my pocket. And then after church, Daryl came back up and said, hey, can I have my $100 back? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Now I'd say, okay, yeah, here's your $100. Have you know, if I gave Daryl back his $100, I didn't give Daryl $100, I didn't give him $100, I just returned to Daryl what belonged to him. Tithing is not giving, it is returning to God what belongs to him. And if you look at the last part on that last statement, the tithe is the proof that you love God more than you love money. How do you know God's your provider and money's not your provider? Because it's who you honor. It's who you acknowledge. Jesus said you can't serve God, and you can't serve money, right? We learned last week, if I love God, I'll use money, but if I love money, I'll use God to make money. He'll become my little spiritual genie. God, meet my knees, 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 meet my knees. knees. I need a breakthrough, God. I need a breakthrough, God. I need some money, God. I need a miracle, God. Come on, Jesus. So the only proof that you love God more than you love money is that you honor God as your provider with a tithe. That you return to him. See, this whole thing begins with honor. i got to honor the Lord and worship him as my provider. And when I tithe, when I give God back the first, I'm acknowledging, God, you're my source. Not my job, not people, not money. You are my source, God, and I'm going to honor you as the source. Now let's look at Malachi chapter 3. It says, verse 7, and yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. So God's rebuking the children of Israel because they've abandoned the ordinances and commandments of God. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So God says, return to me. They said, God, how shall we return to you? This is what he says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? We're going to talk about those two things, because those two things are a vital part of God's financial system for financial freedom. Tithes and offerings, they're separate and they're different. We're going to define those in a minute. And then he says, and you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive you. Let me stop there for a second. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and then he defines where the storehouse is, that there may be food in my house. God's house is a storehouse. So let me tell you why the tithe belongs in the storehouse or in God's house, the church, what we would now call the church. The tithe comes to the church not because other people aren't doing good. Man, there are a lot of amazing ministries out there. There are a lot of, there are a lot of charities out there that are doing amazing things. They're feeding the hungry. They're clothing the naked. They're educating the poor. They're ministering to the broken. There are a lot of amazing charities and organizations out there that are doing amazing things. But only the church is preaching the gospel. Only the church is winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the devil. Because without the gospel, all the good is no good. Because I can have a full belly and die and go to hell. I can have a PhD on my wall and die and go to hell. I can have the best job and the most happy family you've ever seen and die and go to hell. I could be cured of cancer and die and go to hell. All those things are good, and we're going to talk about all those things because they're significant and they're good and they're wonderful. But here's the reality. God says, my provision goes to my house to support my vision. The tithe is holy to the Lord because the tithe is set apart to provide provision for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go into all the world. And the more you get into bigger charitable organizations, the more closed lips they come about the gospel of Jesus Christ, because now they got all these people they don't want to offend. I'm just going to tell you something. If the gospel offends you, be offended, because that's who we are. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the good news of the gospel is the only thing that will set men free. And so God said the tithe comes to the house because only the church is preaching the gospel Advancing the cause. Look at verse 11 and 12. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit in the land. And all the nations will call you blessed and you will be a delightful land. So look at that next point. I want you to see something very critical. So why is the tithe important? The tithe is important, number one, because it belongs to God. It's how we honor God and how we worship God. But the tithe, look what it does. It breaks the curse of poverty. It rebukes the devourer off your life. And it retains the blessing of God upon your life. You can't be blessed and financially free if you are a thief and a robber. Now let me give you something really good. I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag early. Here's some of the best news you're going to hear. God is never trying to get something from you. Think about it for just a second. Let's just, let's just be intellectual and, and rational for a minute. If God owns everything, then God doesn't need anything. Right? If God owns everything, God doesn't need anything. So the tithe is not about God getting something from you. The tithe is about God getting something to you. God wants to get the blessing of the Lord upon your life. God wants to get you to a place of financial freedom. God wants to get you to a place of financial abundance. God wants to get you to a place of increase and overflow where you're no longer living under this weight of anxiety and stress and financial strain, where you're walking in the blessing and the fullness of God, and you're able to be a blessing to other people because we all know in this room it is better to give than it is to receive because nothing feels better than helping somebody. Amen? Amen? And so God's not trying to get something from you. God's trying to get something to, to you. So what does the tithe do? For us, for us, the tithe breaks the curse. Why? Because Romans chapter 6 says to Christians, as a Christian, if you commit sin, you're a servant of sin. And the wages of sin is death. And whoever you serve and whoever you submit yourself to, that's whose servant you are. And so here's the problem. When we willfully disobey God, the tithe is holy, it belongs to the Lord, and we disobey the Lord, and instead of returning to God what is holy, we keep what is holy and use it for things that aren't holy. And how many know anything that's not unto the Lord, out of that point becomes unholy, even if it's good. And so all of a sudden, now there's the curse of sin, and sin brings death. Sin also opens a door for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And think about it, if you're in a place of financial sin, guess what the devil's going to steal from you? Finances. Guess what he's going to kill, finances. Guess what he's going to destroy, finances. Financial increase, financial blessing, financial favor is going to be destroyed out of your life. Why? Because the tithe breaks the curse of poverty, the tithe shuts the door on the devourer, and the tithe empowers you to retain the blessing of God. Now, I want to say something to you because this may be the most important thing I say today. I want you to grab hold of something very, very clear. We are not blessed. We are not blessed financially, spiritually, relationally, or physically because of what we do. We are blessed because of what Jesus did. Do y'all remember Ephesians 1-3? We read it a couple weeks ago. The Bible says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places through Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality is we're not blessed because of what we do, we're blessed because of what He has done. So why do I need to tithe if I'm already financially blessed because of what Jesus has done? Why do I need to tithe? Why do I need to give? Why do I need to do any of the things we're going to talk about today? Because when you rebel against God, when you disobey the commands of of God, you invoke a curse on your life. And here's the problem. The problem is not that we aren't blessed. The problem is that we just can't hold on to the blessing. I challenged you last week, and I believe it's probably true, most of us are probably making more money now than we've ever made in our lives. And yet, for those same people that are making more money than they've ever made, most of those people are now in more financial bondage than they've ever been in before. How is that possible? How can I make more money and be in more financial bondage? How can I make more money and have more financial stress? How can I make more money and still be stressed out and broke, busted, and disgusted when I'm making more now than I've ever made before? It's really easy because the curse of sin has opened the door to the devourer and you're not able to retain the blessing that God is pouring out on you. And so the curse, the the tithe breaks the curse. How many times, think about it, it's income tax time, right? People are excited right now. If you don't have to pay, you're excited, right? And if you get some money back, it's all really good and everybody's excited. Boy, and you hear people say, man, I'm finally going to get ahead. I'm finally going to get ahead. And then next week you're like, I don't know how many times it's going to happen. Every time we think we're going to get ahead, something happens. Washing machine breaks down, transmission goes out, the roof leaks. Every time I think we're going to get ahead, we never get ahead. Every time I think we're going to break through, we never break through. Every time I think it's going to work out, I see light at the end of the tunnel, and then right before it happens, bam, that extra money's gone. You know why? You're cursed with a curse. God did not say he cursed you. God says you're cursed with a curse. Let me bring it home. Let me give you a very clear example. Let's just imagine, I know this is not absolutely 100% not true, but let's just imagine that you were stealing from your employer. For the last six months, you've been stealing money from your employer. And let's just imagine that while we're in church right now, your employer finds out. He's looking through the books, and all of a sudden, he realizes that for the last six months, you've been stealing money from him. Now, let's imagine that tomorrow morning before you go to work, he sends you a text message. And he says, hey, I just recognize that you've been stealing money from me for the last six months. And it's true. You know it's true. He knows it's true. And he says, when you get here, I want to see you in my office ASAP. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would walk into that office expecting him to give you a raise? How many of you would walk into that office expecting him to promote you or prosper you or give you a financial bonus? No, you're going to walk in that office if you even dare to show up, and you're going to know he's going to fire you, and the cops might be there to arrest you because you're a thief and a robber. And not one person, let me tell you something, you can give me the greatest atheist or agnostic on the planet, and every atheist and every agnostic will agree to this one thing, stealing is wrong. You ain't got to be a Christian to believe stealing's wrong. Every atheist and agnostic on the planet will tell you stealing's wrong. And if you don't believe me, go steal their money. They may not mind somebody stealing from you, but if you start stealing from them, you know what that atheist will tell you? That's wrong. I'm going to call the cops. You're a thief and a robber, and guess what? Not one planet, on, not one person on planet Earth would ever dare to believe that a thief and a robber would be blessed. And that's where most Christians find themselves. God says you're cursed with a curse. He didn't say I curse you. He says the curse of thievery and robbery has opened the door to the devourer. And you can't ever get ahead because there's holes in your pockets. The book of Haggai. Haggai the prophet. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? Hey, guy, the prophet, verse 6, I'm not going to read it all, it says, God said to the children of Israel, he says, you planted much, but you have little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Look at that last part. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Money comes, money goes. Money comes, money goes. Money comes, money goes. And let's be honest, most time it goes a lot faster than it comes. So you know what the tithe does? This is so huge, guys. The tithe breaks the curse. The tithe rebukes the devourer. Now, now, let me just say this because I, I try to be as honest as I can. Rebuking the devourer does not mean that your washing machine and your car and your house won't ever leak or break down. If Jesus had a washing machine, one day his would break. Because there's a shelf life on everything that you own. Right? There's a shelf life on everything that you own. Cars wear out, washing machines wear out, roofs leak. So I'm not saying if you tithe that nothing of that's ever going to happen, but here's what won't happen. It won't keep you from prospering. It won't keep you from moving forward. It won't keep you from going ahead. You'll deal with a washing machine. You'll deal with a car. You'll deal with a leaky roof, and you'll come out on the other side, and three months later, you'll be more blessed than you were when you went in. And then what does the tithe do? It breaks the curse, it rebukes the devourer, and then it sews up the holes in your pockets. So you can actually retain the blessing of God. The problem's not that we haven't been blessed. The problem is we can't keep the blessing because the curse has made holes in our pockets. And God gave us a financial system of success because he wants to sew up the holes in your pockets. He wants to break the curse. He wants to rebuke the devourer, and he wants you to be blessed and financially free. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you to prosper you and your family. Look at the next point. God's system for financial favor begins with tithing, and then it moves to offerings. So let me give you a definition of what an offering is. An offering is anything you give above your tithe, anything you give above your tithe to meet somebody else's need, okay? This is not about meeting your need. This is about anything you give above your tithe to meet somebody else's need. And here's the good news. You get to decide how much you give, and you get to decide to whom you will give, an offering is anything you give above your tithe. And so you can give to this charity that's feeding the homeless. You can give to Stay Free Ministries. that's preaching the gospel over there. Right? You can give. You can give to the Red Cross. You can give to educate children. You can give. And that's totally up to you. God lets you decide. You can give to pay the parking lot. You can give in so many different ways. The, tithe, the offering is anything above your giving. And only when you give above your tithe have you actually given anything. Now, here's what's exciting about this this offering. So, this is totally up to you. 2 Corinthians, God says, Let every man purpose in his heart how he wants to give. He never says, Purpose in your heart how you want to tithe. The tithe is set. But you get to purpose in your heart how you want to give. Who do I want to give it to? Do I want to give it to the homeless guy on the street? Do I want to give it to the ministry down the road? Do I want to give it to the charity at my kid's school? How do I want to give, and who do I want to give, and how much do I want to give? Now, this is what you need to say. Look at that next statement. This is huge. Your offering sets the measure of your return, and you get to choose the size of your bucket. I'm going to explain that in just a second. You get to choose the size of your bucket. Look with me in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. The Bible says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same, was it say? For with the same what? Measure that you use, it will be what? Measured back to you. Your offering sets the measure of your return. So hear me, I want to see this. The tithe helps you retain the blessing of God so you can be filled. God will meet every need. But it's your offering that determines your overflow. It's your offering that determines your overflow. It determines the return that comes back. And so here's what God says. He says your your offering sets the measure of your return. And I just want to say it like this. You get to choose the size of your bucket. The way you bless others is the same measure that you're gonna be blessed with. So if you're giving out a coffee cup blessing God's excited. He's like, praise God, look, at there's a coffee cup. And he's going to pack it down. He's going to put all he can in there. He's going to let it run over, and then he's going to throw it back in your lap. Woo! Man, he's excited. But what if instead of doing a coffee cup, what if you did a coffee can? And what if instead of a coffee can, what if you did a five-gallon bucket? And what if instead of a five-gallon bucket, what if you did a wheelbarrow? And what if instead of a wheelbarrow, what if you did a dump truck bucket? Now, here's the good news, right? I told you, God takes the cookies off the top shelf, puts them on the bottom shelf for everybody. So everybody can tithe, 10% of a dollar, you can do that. Everybody can tithe, everybody. Equal opportunity prosperity here, guys. God wants to bless everybody. So everybody can tithe, and everybody can give above their tithe. And your giving, your offering above your tithe is what determines your overflow. You get to decide how much increase and return you receive. You get to decide it. It's based on you. And and, and I'm going to just mess you up a little bit. Is that all right? The size of your bucket is not determined by the size of your gift. Now, I don't know if you remember this story. There's a great little story where Jesus is at the house of God, the temple, and he's watching people throw money into the the treasury. And a little widow woman comes in and throws in two mites. And then Jesus says this, she has given, not tithing, we're not talking tithing, she has given more. Because the size of your bucket is not the size of your gift. The size of your bucket is the size of your sacrifice. So, think about it. For some people, a $5 offering is a five gallon bucket blessing. For some people, a $5,000 offering is a coffee cup blessing. See, God put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You can give extravagantly with $10. You can give extravagantly with $100,000. You can give a coffee cup blessing with $100, $5, $5, $5,000, $50,000. Because it's not the size of your gift, it's the size of the sacrifice that you made. Cookies on the bottom shelf. See, people say, well, I had somebody come to you last night and say, Pastor Keith, I just don't know how I can be blessed, how I can prosper. I live on a fixed income. I think that's one of the craziest things people say, because everybody that works a 40-hour-a-week job lives on a fixed income, too. I know what I'm going to make every day for the next year. Come on, somebody. My income's fixed, Unless I get another job, right? My income's fixed. Here's the good news. You don't make your living by your living. You make your living by your giving. It's your giving. Hey, cookies on the bottom shelf. Everybody can give. And all you gotta do to increase the size of the measure that's coming back to you is increase the size of the bucket that you're putting out. And that's great news, guys. Because the cookies are on the bottom shelf. Everybody can tithe and everybody can give. God's made it here. The size of your gift determines the size of your return. The size of your gift determines the size of your return. You get to decide. You get to decide. That's awesome. You can have as much overflow as you want based on your giving. Amen? All right, y'all still with me? Last little point right here next to the last point. So God's system for financial freedom then moves... From tithes and offerings to management and margin. Margin is the space between what I make and what I spend. You need margin. you got to spend less than you make. Why? Because even Jesus' washing machine tears up. Right? You gotta make, you gotta spend less than you make. That's margin. So if you're gonna be, if you're gonna walk in the blessing and favor of God, financial freedom requires management and margin. Good managers are diligent, they know where everything goes, and they create margin, and God rewards faithful, fruitful managers with more. First Corinthians 4 says, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. If you don't manage what you got, it'll just be gone. Dave Ramsey said it best, right? He said, if you don't tell your money where to go, it will just go. Kelly and I, for all of our, I mean, just literally about all of our married life, we have been tithers and givers, but for many, many years, we lived in financial lack because we weren't managers. The Bible says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Look at that next verse. Proverbs uh, 10, verse 4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. When I read that, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, that slack hand is not talking about a man that's lazy and won't work. It's talking a man that's making money, but he won't manage what he makes. He's got a slack hand. Money comes and money goes, and he don't know where it goes. He don't know where it goes. I'm just going to tell you. Budgeting changed our lives. Managing our money, being a faithful steward, knowing where every penny goes. Why? Because we're not owners, we're stewards. We're managers. God owns it all. He's entrusted it to us. He wants to know, what are you doing with what I've given you? Be a faithful manager. Be diligent to know what you're doing. Look at that next verse. Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury. But fools spend whatever they get. Fools spend whatever they get. They make a hundred, they spend a hundred. They make a thousand, they spend a thousand. make five thousand, they spend five thousand. They spend whatever they get. And now the Bible calls that person a fool. Why? Because there's no margin. And here's the trap of the enemy. We've all been there. I, I told you last week, Kelly and I have been there, got the T-shirt, had to sell it because we were broke. We understand this. We've been there and done that. I'm just tell you, it's so good on the other side. And we're so far from where I know God wants us to be, but it's so good on the other side of that place because there is real freedom. And the trap of the enemy is if you don't have margin, if you don't manage what you have and create margin, then when the washing machine tears up or the car breaks down or the roof leaks, you're gonna go in a deeper hole. You're gonna be more and more and more behind than you've ever been before. And the hole gets deeper and deeper instead of you getting better and better. So we've got to be willing to manage our money. We've got to be diligent about taking care of what God has given us. Let me give you one last scripture. It's Matthew 25. Jesus said, "In the kingdom of heaven will be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags to one. Uh, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing a proportion of their abilities, and then he left on their trip. So God gives us according to our ability. Again, here we go. We got equal opportunity right here for everybody. God's not going to give you more than you can handle, but he's going to give you enough to prosper and succeed. Amen? Whatever you've got, let me just give you a great revelation today. Wherever you are at financially, it's enough to begin to work the system that God has provided and move into a place of financial freedom. It is enough, because the devil will tell you, you don't even have enough money to make a budget. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. Pastor Keith, we're not even a place we can even make a budget. Well, the fact that you can't even make a budget is the reason you need to make a budget. Verse 19 says, And after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they had used his money. And the Bible says the one that had five made five more, the one that had two made two more, the one that had one buried it. And he gave the master back the one thing that he had given him. And he says, then take the money from this servant, give it to the one with ten bags of silver, and those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. And from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If you don't use what God gives you, you'll lose it. Financially, you'll lose it. You'll lose that return. You'll lose that money. And we say it all the time. We have this little thing in our little world. Well, you know, people say, well, you know, the rich just keep getting richer and the poor just keep getting poor. Well, there's a Bible reason for that. If you don't use what God gives you, you lose what you have. Why? Because if you're not managing it, if you don't tell it where to go, it just goes been there done that <laughs> don't want to go back but here's the good news look what he says in that last first part of that last verse those who use well what they're given even more will be given. When I read that the Holy Spirit said he said, Keith not am I going to give them more money I'm going to give them more opportunities to create wealth. When you look at people that have a lot of money, you know what's crazy about people that have a lot of money they make money from all kinds of different places. You really start talking to people that make money. They're making money over here, and they're making money over here, and they're making money over here. They're in like 10 different businesses. And you're like, man, I can't even get my one job down. How am I going to get in 10 different businesses? You know how that happens? Because if you manage well what God gives you, He gives you more, more opportunities to create wealth. Deuteronomy says it's the Lord your God that gives you the power to create wealth. God gives you more opportunities to create wealth. God gives you more opportunities to sow seed. God gives you more opportunities to be a blessing. God gives you more opportunities to help people. God gives you more opportunities to do the thing He's called you to do. Why? Because you were faithful with what He's given you. Huge, guys. Cookies on the bottom shelf. I haven't said anything here today that not every person in this room cannot do. Every person in this room can practice immediately everything we've talked about today. And I want to tell you what will happen, immediately God will begin to work on your behalf. Immediately, God will begin to work on your behalf. See there's this little thing called financial miracles. God will just send you checks from people you didn't know owed you money. It's crazy. Income, finance, provision, resources will come from unexpected places. Why? Because you honored God as your provider. Last point. Here it is. Wrap up of the whole series. God wants us to be financially free. We have to believe. We have to understand. And we have to work God's system. Amen? We have to work the system. Let's just bow our heads together today. I want to encourage you. I really, when I was studying for this message, God really showed me I had a vision of us as a church getting financially free. I saw freedom in your life. I saw new levels of freedom for every person, beginning with Kelly and I moving to every person in this church. I just saw new levels of freedom. God wants us to be financially free. Why? Because He wants us to be able to give ourselves to the purpose of God for our life. So, Lord, today I thank you, Lord. The blessing has already been given. So, Lord, I'm not going to ask you to bless us today. You've already done that. I'm going to ask you to help us to work the system. Give us the faith to believe, give us the courage to step out, and give us the determination and discipline to stay the course. God, give that to us today. Release it in us today. And by faith today, God, we receive those things to work your system, to walk in your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.